Well, good morning. How's everyone this fine, fine day? Everybody get their fill of sausage and pancakes in between services? Anybody wishing they got here a little earlier? Yeah? <laughs> well, maybe there's still some out there. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's good to be together this morning and uh, to worship the Lord together. And uh, lots of places that uh, we could be. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to be here uh, with you. Um, so this morning, as we continue um, our series in the Gospel of John, um, we have um, seen Jesus so far uh, as he began his earthly ministry, um, performed miracles, began to reveal himself to others. We've seen times where he said, it's not yet my time. And uh, we're beginning to see his ministry ramp up and seeing the tension um, that's happening in the culture uh, that's ramping up and as Jesus is responding um, to all of these things. But this morning, um, before we um, dive into to John um, chapter 9, um, as I was just kind of reading this and studying this week, I was brought back to um, a time in my early years of ministry. I know I'm not that old. I know <laughs> some of you know you're so old. Um, so you're like, oh, you're just a kid. But anyway, that doesn't matter today, right? So as I began to think about just early days in ministry and even the, the things that I would learn in college and Bible school, um, much of that was either learning about um, the Bible, about the scriptures, um, or learning about how to lead. And in both of those things, as a young person, felt very comfortable in that, especially in leading. And um, much of my early ministry was leading. And as God began to, to move and do things uh, within our church uh, over the years, um, he's also um, been doing those things in me. As I began to realize 10, 15 years ago that uh, although um, I had been trained to lead, um, I didn't uh, really think much like a pastor, one who cares um, for people, one who protects um, the sheep. And uh, one of the things that I did in, in response to that is I um, began um, to ask God to um, help me see um, people's pain and help me to begin to feel people's pain. So for me, I don't have the gift of compassion. Does anyone else not have the gift of compassion? Only one, two, yeah, point, people are pointing. <laughs> um, so it's just the, the three of us apparently. <laughs> And as people would go through things, um, I would oftentimes be um, the type of person who just wants to provide a solution. I'm the fixer. Anybody else a fixer? Here's what you need to do. Stop crying about it and move on. <laughs> but I realized that this is, this is not who God um, desires um, for me to be. So as I began to, to pray that prayer of the years, um, God began and continues um, to work in my heart to teach me, um, to help me see people's pain, to help me feel other people's pain. I also realized um, something else, that um, I didn't uh, really have a whole lot of contact with people that don't, didn't know the Lord. Much of my time was spent here within these four walls or within just our, our church family. And certainly there were Students that would come to, to student ministry, there was people on family, there was there were some relationships people didn't know the Lord, but not many. And I um, asked God to, to bring opportunities up that I might meet people to do that. And that's where um, our upward um, flag football ministry came from. As we um, gather together on Saturdays with, it's hundreds of people. There's, on a Saturday, there's probably seven to 900 people um, that come on a Saturday. Um, it's parents, it's siblings, it's grandparents, aunts and uncles. 
um, that come and watch um, their kids play uh, football. But many of those, and increasingly more over the years, um, don't have a church home and um, don't um, know the Lord. And I was excited for that opportunity, and um, over the years, it began to um, just embrace that. It's been incredible. But I also began to realize that God just, I, had, I didn't have many relationships with people. Although I had contact with people, didn't have many relationships with people who didn't know the Lord and began to pray about opportunities. And one day, um, I was asked um, to serve um, as a chaplain for law enforcement. And I'm like, I never even knew there was such a thing. <laughs> um, so as that um, began just to become known to me and began to pray about that, and um, I've began uh, over the last three years um, to serve as a as chaplain for um, one of our law enforcement agencies here locally. And as you can imagine, um, there are many things um, that are going on uh, within law enforcement uh, where people struggle. Um, you, you've got people who are struggling in, in marriage. You've got um, a world, at least in our culture, where many people um, dislike or potentially hate them and wish they didn't exist or would just go away. Um, say awful things about them. I began to learn that uh, many of them, uh, they would even um, lose family members um, just because they wore a badge. Uh, many of them would disown them and would never want um, to talk with them, meet with them, celebrate holidays with them, or certainly not a meal or to come over to their house. And this would happen to them and their spouses. It would happen to their kids. And for me also, um, I serve um, in the courthouses so as I am talking with um, law enforcement um, agents, and I'm also seeing um, every person, unless you're coming to the courthouse for a marriage certificate, um, you're pretty much to be sure to be there because something bad has happened. Um, you're either going to court um, because something's happened to you or you've done something. Um, the amount of people that come through those doors, um, and it's confusing as to how to get anywhere in the place, um, many of them are oftentimes asking, um, where do they go uh, to get a restraining order? And you realize um, that so many people um, are hurting. And as, as God um, began to, to answer that prayer from years ago, um, that I would be able to see and feel people's pain, um, there are times that I wish I didn't pray that prayer because <laughs> uh, I was much more comfortable um, not feeling it. And it's not just within um, chaplaincy and, and law enforcement. If we were to talk with everyone here today, we would find that there are many things that are causing us pain, hurt. Um, oftentimes, it's with family. It's with friends. Uh, things are broken. We realize, especially within uh, this past week and all that's happened in Texas, um, there are people that are hurting, um, deeply hurting, um, and all of the people that are hurting with what happened, all of the people who are hurting with what would have led up to what happened, um, all of the people um, that are going to be affected in ripple effects um, that are hurting, um, there are just so many. You add in a pandemic where um, many people have died. In the past um, six months, I think um, I've, I've done seven funerals, uh, which is not normal for me, um, three of which... Uh, one was in their 30s, two were in their 40s. Um, only one was over 60. <laughs> and you realize that people are hurting. 
And um, you look at depression rates, you look at um, rates of anxiety, you look at not just with young people, although it's, um, it's epidemic um, in our young people as they wrestle with um, new levels, record levels of anxiety, as you see the suicide rates just going through the roof. And suicide rates isn't even with um, our young people. And as a chaplain, you know, I've um, had the, the privilege to serve on, on many scenes, but one, one last summer was, um, it was a drowning scene. Uh, two summers ago, another drowning scene of a 19-year-old, but this past one, it was a thing, a 25-year-old kid that had drowned um, in the river, um, just trying to cool off. No one saw it coming. No one prepared for it to come. Um, it wasn't dying of you know, natural causes as someone gets old and you see it coming just one day, uh, one moment, uh, this person's no longer there. And at the scene, you know, there's um, a couple dozen family members and they're waiting hours, um, two days in fact, uh, for someone to recover um, their loved one's body. Just uh, two weeks ago, I uh, was on a scene where um, mother of four, all under the age of 12, uh, mom committed suicide. And you, um, in these moments again, you, you realize people are hurting. People are hurting. And there's, there's so many things. And, and this morning, um, we're going to look at a passage uh, where we find that um, Jesus sees um, those who are hurting. We're going to see that um, he um, can heal the hurting. And also um, that he is the one who ultimately um, can bring the greatest gift um, in allowing us to see him. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to um, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to read through the, the whole passage. <clears throat> and um, you, you'll begin to see um, this situation as the, the Feast of Booths has come to an end. And um, verse 1, it says that as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. And others said, No, but he, he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, 
You put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He's a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Verse 24, so for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as far as this man... We do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Let's pray together. God, today we are grateful for the opportunity to gather together uh, to worship you. God, to gather together um, to read your word, to have as many copies of your word, whether in print or digital, as we want. God, we recognize this morning that there is a world where these things are illegal. God, where people uh, would spend their whole lives to read or have one page. God, may we um, hear your voice this morning. May we revel in your glory. God, may you open our eyes 
And God, may you change us. May you transform us today through your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to go back to uh, verse 1, and I want to kind of walk through um, this passage and um, kind of see these things. That Jesus, um, first, that he sees people. And in verse 1, it says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus didn't just happen to pass by. Um, Jesus went by on purpose, but he saw him. Think about how many people would have passed this blind man every single day. Think about all the people that we pass every day. Think about those people um, at your workplace. Think about those people in your neighborhood. Think about uh, those people um, on the courts or the ball diamonds. Think about um, those people that are in our families. Think about all of those people that we pass by. Have you seen them this week? Have we seen them? What did we see? Do we ignore them or have we ignored them uh, because we were on our way to something? We had a place to be, something to do. Were those people um, an interruption? Were they a means to an end? And, um, you know, as, as I mentioned, I go to the courthouse and, and every week, um, typically park in a similar spot, but there's always um, a homeless guy that sits um, outside of, um, right, right next to where I park. <laughs> yeah, I'm a super nice guy. And uh, one day, and I, and I never really paid attention to him. Um, you know, around the courthouse, there's, there's people all around and lots of homeless people. And uh, one day as um, I was getting out of my truck, I said hi to him and um, he said, hey, I'm going to watch your truck for you. I was like, all right, awesome. And I get back and, um, you know, a few hours later, and there he still sits with his sign, you know. I'm sitting on the sidewalk. And he said, hey, I, I watched your truck. Nobody, nobody bothered it. And it hit me in that moment that um, I miss people. I don't oftentimes see them. And as you, as you think about um, this moment, as Jesus um, passed by, he saw the blind man. He saw him. And people would have passed by him every day, not paying attention to him. They would have um, possibly been annoyed that he was in the way, that he was there day after day. Um, but I would imagine that many people didn't even recognize him anymore. They just walked right on by. But Jesus saw this man who had been um, blind um, from birth, in verse 2, his disciples asked him, said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In those days, it was often believed, um, in, particularly by those um, in power in the, the Jewish world, that um, if someone was born with this kind of um, disability, that it was because someone sinned. Um, either their parents sinned, or somehow um, their child sinned in the womb. I don't know how you do that, um, but maybe, you know, they thought he was kicking his mom, and his mom said, stop, and he kept kicking. Um, I don't know how that works, um, but here, even the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered them in verse 3, it says, it wasn't that this man had sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
Jesus tells them that he's not blind because of his sin or anybody else's sin. Although we do live in a sinful world, don't we? It becomes more and more apparent every single day that we live in a world of evil. And certainly there are consequences to evil, but in this case, um, it is not because of anyone's sin, but rather so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Even from his birth, Jesus had a purpose uh, for this man's hurt. In 1 Peter, as it talks about um, God's um, great um, mercy and his salvation, it says this, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Anybody got any trials going on? <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7 here in 1 Peter 1 goes on. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For us that know Christ, there is purpose in our pain. There is purpose um, in our trials. And if we don't think you have one now, you will soon. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, we will have them, and we will be tested. And at the end of the day, uh, what is God's goal in all of that? Um, to transform us and that he um, might receive praise and glory and honor because of Jesus Christ, his goodness to us. So if you're going through it today, which I know some of you are, um, know that God wants to refine us. He wants to use these difficult things in our lives for his glory. It is not without purpose uh, or without hope because he has saved us to a living hope. In verses 4 and 5, we see that Jesus reminds them that he's the light of the world and that uh, here on earth um, that they still have work to do while Jesus is here with them. In verse 6, it says, Having said these things, he spit on the ground, and he made mud with his saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seen. Jesus heals him. He takes dirt, and he spits in it. I mean, imagine this is you for a minute. And in fact, I brought some to practice today. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Going to ask for a volunteer, but that's just gross. No. He takes dirt and he spits in it and he puts it on this man's eyes and he tells him, go, go wash. So he goes. I mean, he's got the mud on his eyes and he, he walks to the pool um, and he washes his eyes. And for the first time in his life, he sees. He sees color. He sees people's faces. He sees depth. He sees different people's clothes. He sees their hair, the color of their eyes for the first time. 
he sees the beauty of God's creation that he has never seen before. Jesus opens his eyes and he heals him. It's an incredible moment. I want us to take the the next few minutes and and look at the different people's response to what happened to this man. Um, Because he went and he came back seen. In verse 8, we see the neighbors. It says that the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others says, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So here he sat for years. People not paying attention to him, him being in people's way, people ignoring him, not paying a lick of attention to him at times. And he, this is the guy that they would have walked by day after day after day after day. And the only difference now is that he can now see people. It's the same guy. And they're still acting as he's not even there, completely ignoring him as they debate about him. Is, he, is this the guy? And he keeps telling them, I am the man. In verse 10, so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus. He made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And this man in this moment, <clears throat> he, he doesn't even know who it was other than it was this man called Jesus. He did the whole mud thing, put on my eyes. He said, go and wash. I did, and I came back, and I see, and I don't even know where he is. Well, who is this guy? I don't know. He's some guy named Jesus. And here in this moment, we see that the neighbors, their response to what happened is that they were just blinded by disbelief. They refused to believe. In verse 13, we see the Pharisees' response. It says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind, so much so that the neighbors didn't believe it. They now want to take him to the Pharisees so they can figure out what in the world's happening. So they brought the man who had formerly been blind. Verse 14, now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And by the way, the reason that they're so ticked off at Jesus is because he would, he would dare to make mud on the Sabbath day. (laughs) Really? This is is why they're so upset with him um, in this moment. How dare he make mud? 15, so the Pharisees asked um, him, I'm sorry, again, asked him um, how he had received his sight. He said to them, you put mud on my eyes and I wash and I see. Same story. So the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. And we begin to see that God is opening this blind man's eyes, not just physically, but spiritually, piece by piece. He started out as a man called Jesus, Now he is prophet. And we see that the Pharisees' response is that they're blinded by their desire for power. There's some guy named Jesus that's trying to take it from us. They're blinded by their desire for power. Verse 18, we see the parents' response. It says, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. 
and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. This is the, uh, the proverbial um, insert bus, back it up, go forward, back it up a couple more times, throwing the sun underneath the bus. Don't, don't ask us. We don't know. Yep, he's our son. He's of age. Ask him. Let him get in trouble. We don't want to be in trouble, which is interesting. Um, they do this to their own son who has been blind his whole life and a beggar for his life who sits there every day begging for food. This is their son. And now he can see and they know he sees. They know he's no longer blind. Are they rejoicing with him? Are they throwing a party? Do they have his back? No. They throw him under the bus. The parents are blinded by fear. They knew that if um, they stuck up for him or um, spoke um, something about Jesus, that somehow they would be cast out too. They were willing for their son to be kicked out of the synagogue, but not themselves. Moving on, we see the blind man's response. And so far we see <clears throat> that as he responds to um, his healing, that Jesus uh, was, a, he was a man called Jesus, and um, he's been a prophet. And uh, we see that this is continuing to grow. Verse 24, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, now think about this. All this is happening because a blind man miraculously can now see. They're debating all of these things. They, they could care less, all of them, that he now sees. <laughs> I mean, imagine one of your kids, your best friend, was born blind, and this afternoon, they can now see. Would you sit around and, and debate who, who had the authority to do this? How dare they? Gosh, I hope not. I hope not. <clears throat> they don't even see him. They don't even see him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. And what they mean, by the way, and give glory to God, is not to worship God because... Um, he healed you, and, and Jesus is God. No. Um, if you're going to claim that you were healed, because they can't deny that now, because they all know this is the same guy who'd been sitting there on the street uh, for years, if not decades. Uh, we all know this is the guy that was blind, and now he sees. His parents even say so. Um, <clears throat> we need our God to get credit for this, and not this Jesus. To give glory to God, we know... Um, that this man, Jesus, as they believe is a sinner. Verse 25, he answered, whether he is a sinner, um, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? 
He answered them, I have told you already and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Ooh. Huh. <laughs> do you see that? Do you, do you, you want to be his disciples too? The, just ratchet up the tension. Um, like, it's just multiplied. Do you want to be his disciples too? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. This man who had been a blind beggar for his whole life, all he's doing is saying, I was blind and now I see. I don't know how it happened. He told me to put mud on my eyes. I did, and I went and washed, and I, I can see. I don't, I don't, I'm not claiming this guy is God. I, I don't even know who he is. Uh, he's some guy named Jesus. Maybe he's a prophet. And um, their response is, you were born in utter sin. They chastise him right there in front of others, and then they kick him out. and the audacity for him to teach them. <clears throat> we now see that the Pharisees are blinded um, by disbelief. We see that their power or their desire for power as well as their fear, it blinds them. They want to hold on um, to these things. And now we see that this blind man understands that Jesus um, isn't just a man called Jesus or the prophet that he is indeed sent by God. <clears throat> so again, we, we see that he has been cast out and again um, alone, an outcast of society and, and much of um, his rich culture. In verse 35, it says that Jesus um, heard that they had cast him out. I mean, think about that. Jesus heard about this. What does Jesus do? Ah, well, he'll be all right on his own. He'll make it. He can now see you. No. It heard, he heard they cast him out, and having found him, Jesus went to him. He went and found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? This man's got nobody. The religious culture, his, his ethnic heritage, his parents, they've all, in essence, cast him out. He's a pariah of society. Again, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Jesus seeks this man out that's in exile. And what was intended um, to be um, his shame, Jesus does more than just open his physical eyes so that he can see he opens his spiritual eyes. 
he understands here in this moment that Jesus, um, and he already has in, in John, but he makes this incredible claim to be the Son of Man. And you'll notice it's capitalized. It's an Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah. And although he has never read the Scripture himself, he's probably heard it. And he knows that here, this man talking to him, who he now sees physically, He's the Messiah, and he now sees spiritually this man is the Messiah, and he's right here in front of me. So how does he respond? Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. What a moment as God opens his eyes. What we see is this passage um, begins to come to a close in verse 39. There's, there's a warning uh, for the religious leaders of the time, and I think also for us um, today. It says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. You might see a, a seeming contradiction in Jesus' words where he says, for judgment I came into the world. Because we've already looked at in John 3, verse 17, where God says uh, he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the order of the world might be saved through him. And then later we'll read in John chapter 12, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. And here Jesus says, for judgment I came into um, this world. Um, I want to encourage you that there is no contradiction. Uh, what we're talking about in this passage anyways, there's different kinds of blindness. You first see that there's physical blindness. What does Jesus do with that? He heals it. There's also, in, in this moment, what we're seeing Jesus speak to is that there's a willful blindness where they choose to disbelieve. They choose um, to live in their arrogance and in their fear and in their disbelief. They willfully choose it. And because of that, um, there's condemnation. There's judgment for that. They have Christ standing in front of them, and they refuse to believe. And this he judges. And there's also spiritual blindness. And for this blind man, we see um, that he so graciously removes it so that he might see the God of the universe, the one who created him. So we must ask the question today, um, are we willfully denying the person of Jesus Christ? As we think about, um, as Christ responded to him, how do we respond um, to it? Do we respond with disbelief? Do we respond um, to the words and the work of Christ and we want to hoard our authority, our power? Do we respond uh, with fear? Not wanting to trust God for fear of what other people will think. I think we must also ask the question, how do we see hurting people? Do we see them as Jesus saw them? People in need of a Savior? 
Do we see them as, as in our way? Do we see them as a nuisance? Is it possible that we walk by these people every day, not only not even seeing them, but not caring what's going on in their world? I think Christ would have us to see them as he sees them, that they're in need of a Savior. And it's time for us as God's people to see the hurting. Our world is full of them. Our lives every day is full of them. And maybe, maybe you're like me, um, where you, you just don't see them very often. You don't feel their pain. And I challenge you to pray the prayer I prayed, that God would open your eyes to see them, to see their pain, to see their need uh, for a Savior. Uh, who can heal them and give them hope and a purpose. And maybe today um, you're in the midst of a messy trial. There's a lot of pain in your life. I want you to know um, there's purpose in that, that God uh, will bring glory to himself as we remain faithful to him in these moments. And the last thing I want to challenge us with is um, all of our lives are busy. Yes? Hurting people take time, don't they? They interrupt our schedules. They keep us from getting to where we want to get to, doing the things that we want to do. If, if we don't have time for the hurting people in our lives, we'll never see them. We'll never stop for them, and we certainly won't go back and find them. May we all allow God to look at our schedules and say, okay, 